I read a story recently about three ladies who were sitting around bragging about their children. The first one said, my son graduated in his class first from Stanford, and he's now a doctor making $250,000 a year in Chicago. The second woman said, my son, he graduated first in his class from Harvard. He's now a lawyer making a half a million dollars, and he lives in Los Angeles. The last woman said, you know, my son, he, he never did too well in school, and he never went on to college, but he now makes a million dollars a year, and he's living in New York working as a sports repairman. The other two ladies had no idea what that was, so they asked, what is a sports repairman? She replied, he fixes hockey games, football games, <laughs> baseball games. Right? We obviously, as parents, want the best for our children. We want them to succeed. We want our children to grow up to be responsible, self-sufficient children who become adults who are capable of taking care of themselves. We want our children to be successful. And this desire that we have as parents, it, it raises a question, and that question is, is how do I measure success as a parent, right? What is success to me? And the answer you have to this question this morning is the evidence of how you are actually raising your children right now. Think about it this way. If you want your children to be comfortable in life, to make enough money so they don't have to worry about paying their bills or worrying about their future, you're more than likely to emphasize the need for a quality education. You want your kids to get good grades so that they will live a comfortable life when they're older and they won't struggle with a lack of income and that they're going to be able to raise children of their own and not have to worry about mom and dad helping them out, right? So when your kids get good grades, you reward them. They graduate from college and go on to university. You are so proud of them, you know, and you might consider pushing them to get a degree in, in law or medicine or, or business or some other career that will provide a comfortable income. Or maybe you have a different definition of success for your children. Maybe the most important thing is for your child to be happy. And so you buy them stuff and it makes you feel good to give them things, right? And you say things like, you know, I just want my kids to have things that I never had when I was their age. And you want them to get good grades, but more importantly, you want them to just enjoy their school experience. So if they want to try extracurricular activities, you do everything you can to make sure that they enjoy as much as possible. But what if we measured our success as parents not by how much money they might make, or how educated our children will be, though those things are good and we want them to do, those, do well, right? Or even how happy they're going to be. But what if we considered the ultimate success as parents is when our children are living out a passionate follower of Christ's lifestyle, 
What if everything we did as parents, the money we spent, the time we invested into their lives, the way we structured our family life was for this purpose, to raise kids who are more in love with Jesus than anything else? And so will you stand with me this morning out of honor of reading the Word of God? It's found in Psalm 127. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gate. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word gives us direction in life. And God, that you want to be involved in every aspect of our life. And so God, I pray today, as we look at modeling our faith, God, you are the one that we should model after. And so I pray, may we learn some truths today to apply to our lives so that we may be passionate followers of Christ and help our children to become passionate followers of Christ as well, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Parents, I want you to think back to when you first learned that you were going to be a mother, a father. You know, for me, there was so much excitement. We we're so excited, so thrilled with the news that we we're expecting a child. And, and then all of a sudden, realization hit, right? And I began to get a little nervous because, you know, I, I never held babies I never changed a diaper before, you know. I, I didn't know what I was doing. And so we bought some books thinking, you know, that should help. And so we read some books. We talked with other parents about what it is to be a parent and what to expect and, and what we need to do. And we even took a parenting class and, and tried to learn a little bit more. And, and uh, not sure that parenting class helped me at all. And I remember when we brought our son home and there was so much excitement and so much joy and my mom was there and, and uh, we were having a good time and then night came and they're like, well, we'll see ya. And I was like, wait, you're not staying? They're like, you're on your own, right? And we're like, uh, good thing Jeanette was there to help me, right? You know, there's so much excitement, so much nerves and what I discovered through all of that was that there is no right technique for raising children. There are so many different ideas out there. You know, there's, there's no clear definition from experts how to raise a child. Opinions vary from one expert to another, and even the most basic aspects of parenting, they seem to change from one year to the other. You know, we hear things like, discipline is out. Be your child's best friend, right? We hear things that we should do. We should do this, and then we, we should do that. And, and then we're told that kids are more mature today than they were generations ago, and they're able to make decisions at an earlier age now. And, and the responsibility of being a parent doesn't just end when our child graduates from high school and leaves the nest. 
We're to be available to our children throughout their lives. And so if we're going to change the way we view success in raising our children, then we need to begin to think a little bit differently as well. Yes, we should want our children to succeed in everything they do. And yes, they should get a great education. And yes, they should be able to support themselves and their families when they grow up. But if that's our goal, then we're missing it. When we change the view of success to God's view of success, everything changes. Our goal as parents is to get them to launch into the adult world, and and that includes education. That includes learning to, to build relationships and friendships, right? But the most important goal is to see our children not only have a relationship with God, but to have a passionate relationship with God and become a passionate follower of Christ, And so maybe you're not a parent this morning or maybe you've raised your kids and your kids are all grown up and they have families of their own. I don't want you to tune me out this morning. I believe that these points are just as important for you as well because we can apply them because we're all modeling faith to somebody. Whether it's our children, whether it's our spouse, whether it's our coworkers, our neighbors, we're all modeling faith and they're watching and observing us. So let's get into our message today. I said, we need to make our home a place of love. This past week, I was taking Ella to school and I was holding her hand and and I wanted to try to communicate my love to her in a, a different way, just so that, you know, it's not always the same, you know, just to keep her on her toes, but also to know that, you know, you can say I love you in different ways and so I came up with this idea. I said, Ella, how about I, I just squeeze your hand just to let you know that I love you. And so that, that will be our little thing. You know, we'll be walking and I'll hold your hand. And I'll just give it a little squeeze and, and you'll know that I love you. And, all right. Well, I found out a little bit later that my love for her was just a little too strong. Apparently, I squeezed her hand a little too hard and She told me later, she said, Dad, I like it when you tell me you love me better, right? We need to show love and make our home a place of love. The love and guidance that we offer as parents will affect our children's ability to get along with other people, their work ethic, and in all honesty, every aspect of their life. You know, raising a child is a superhuman task that demands more time and resources than we have to offer, right? I don't have the, the, the resources, I don't have the knowledge to be the best parent I can be. Yet God knows exactly what he's doing, right? And exactly what we need in order to be that good parent. Because God himself is our model as a parent. And when we look at the Bible and learn how God functions as a parent, we can see then then what kind of parent we should be. And the wonderful thing about this is that God provides both the example and the encouragement that we need to be successful parents. Psalm 103 verse 13 says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender, compassionate to those who fear him. You know, children's image of God, of who God is, 
is often patterned off after the image that they see of their parents. You know, if their parents are happy, loving, supportive, forgiving, then it's easier for them to experience a positive and satisfying relationship with God. But if their parent is cold and indifferent and and harsh, they may see God as a faraway God who's disinterested in them. And so what kind of image are we portraying to our children? You know, how do they see God through our life? You know, are they learning that God is loving and tender and compassionate, that, that God is patient? Or, or are we portraying an image where we imply that God is harsh, where God is mean, where he's short-tempered and he's just waiting for, for us to make a mistake so that he can punish us? You know, think about how are you promoting the image of God to your children? See, we need to make sure that our children know that they are loved and that they're cared for. And in order to do that, we need to make sure that we do it on their turf. We need to make sure that we, we make time for them. See, as your child matures into this teenager, right, you'll find that, that they're not as open and willing to sit down and talk with you and share everything with you. You know, I'm having these dialogues with my daughter right now, and I'm saying, Ella, you're, you're going to continue to tell me everything, right? Oh, yeah, Dad. Yeah. We're always going to have this open dialogue. Yeah. I'm always going to be able to hug you and give you kisses, right? Oh, yeah. Right? I'm having this conversation just praying that she will be the first child in human history to do that. Right? Prayer and fasting, it can happen. Right? But we need to make sure that we take time, that we model love to them, and we need to do it on their turf, because when they become teenagers, everything just shuts down in them. They won't chat with you like they used to. And so we got to get creative with them so that they can open up. And maybe, maybe that's when you come home from work, you, you just make and shoot some hoops with them, or, or maybe you attempt to play video games or play ping pong with them. But as you interact with them, as you demonstrate a consistent love with them, as you show them love, they will be more open and likely to share with you what's going on in their life. Doesn't happen all the time, but they'll be more likely to. See, as parents, our love for our children can be imperfect Yet God's love for us is, is perfect, it's, it's infinite, it's unconditional. That no matter what we do, no matter what we say, God's love for us never changes. And that's so great about God. And God takes my love, despite all my imperfections, despite all my failures as a parent, and he uses it to, to show my children the small glimpse of the depth of God's love for them. See, if we're going to make passionate followers of Christ, we need to make sure that we have a real, lasting, personal relationship with Jesus as well. Because you can't pass on to your children what you don't possess. And so it's vital, it's important 
you make Jesus a priority, that you love him with everything inside your life. See, our home is a place for our children to learn both how to relate to God and how to relate to others. It's where we begin to teach our children how to live in a world that God created. And we need to be available to our children, letting them know that you're there, that you're always going to be there through the ups and downs of life, through the good choices and the bad choices, that you're there. That even though you disagree with their decisions, you still love them. Even though you may not agree with what they did, you still love them. Even though it broke your heart, you still love them. 1 John 3.18, it says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Actions speak louder than words. And so don't lose credibility in your children's eyes. Demonstrate love for them as you love God. Make sure that, that they know that you love them. You know, a simple I love you isn't enough. A simple squeeze of the hand isn't enough, right? Don't just say it, show it. When they know that they're loved, when they know that they're cared for, when they know that you're always there, not judging but loving, they'll be open, they'll be caring enough to share with you. May not be all the time. Maybe once but it'll allow for opportunities to have conversations with them. And share with them God's love. Talk to them about who God is. Talk to them about God's love for them and how Jesus died for them. Be the spiritual leader in the home and let them know that God loves them. Let them hear it from you before they hear it from us. Take the initiative. Share with them the gospel the good news of Jesus, that Jesus loves them and died for them and lead them to Christ. And then we also need to teach them the truth. See, we have a responsibility as parents to teach our children the things that matter to God. It doesn't mean forcing them into a certain set of beliefs, but showing them what a real faith is. One that puts focus on loving God and loving others. See, our children, they're like sponges. They, they seem to soak up everything, the good and the bad. Isn't it true? And there's been times where Brayden and Ella, they'll do something and I'll just start laughing hysterically. And I want to get it out before Jeanette can say it. And so I'll be like, they're just like you, Right? <laughs> right? You've been there, right? You've said it before, right? They are just like you, right? And she just shakes her head and she just laughs. She's like, no, honey, those are your kids, (laughs) right? And usually in those moments, she's right. They are just like me. They are acting just like me because they're sponges. They're modeling, right? Our kids will mimic us and do and say things that remind us of who we are. In Ephesians 5, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, 
because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. See, this verse reminds me of how I'm supposed to live, how I'm supposed to love, but it it also reminds me that my children are in my care, that they're watching me, right? Our children learn how I act by how I act, right? They watch to see how I react to things. They notice what I think is appropriate and what's inappropriate. They watch us and learn how to love by how we love. And if they're imitating us and we're imitating God, then our children will grow up with the understanding of what it means to be a passionate follower of Christ. They'll understand what God wants from us. Doesn't mean they'll always follow it, but they will know. See, teaching our children includes much more than just sitting down and just sharing the facts with them. We have to provide an atmosphere where they can grow. In Deuteronomy 4.9, it says, You must be very careful not to forget the things you have seen God do for you. Keep reminding yourselves and tell your children and grandchildren as well. The years our children are in our home, they're so crucial. You have to be intentional and you have to have a plan of how you're going to help them to understand who God is. They're developing their worldview. Their, their belief systems form at such a young age that it's vital that you as a parent are active in the role of your child's spiritual development. So share with your children how God's blessed you, how God has taken care of and provided for you. Let them know that God is always there. Psalm 78, 4 says, We'll not hide these truths from our children. We'll tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. It's important that we continue to share. It's important that we keep reminding them of how good God is. It's important that we share the biblical truths in a creative way that not only gets their attention, but that they remember it. When you read the Bible, you see how the children of Israel, after one generation of serving the Lord, they turned their back because they forgot who God was. They forgot about his glorious deeds. They forgot of what God did for them. And so keep reminding your kids. Let them know how God is blessed, how he's taking care of you. Use the times where you guys are together as opportunities to just tell stories. How God has given you a job, how maybe a check came in the mail that you weren't expecting and God provided for you. See, whether it's when you're riding a car together, cooking dinner, or throwing the ball in the backyard, just take time and talk and share. Let them know what's happening in your life so that they can share what's happening in their lives. And when they share, ask God to help you to listen, to open up your ears so that you can really be alert and hear what they're really trying to say. Because sometimes they're saying something and not really saying it, right? And then thirdly, 
We need to model being a passionate follower of Christ. See, it's essential that we set the example of what it means to be a passionate follower of Christ. Our children are watching us. They are modeling our lives. They're watching, they're observing based upon what they see is how they will live. See, we can't expect our children to be honest if they see us lying. We can't expect our children to have self-control if they see us lose our temper and get angry. We can't expect our children to have a good work ethic if we don't demonstrate it for them. Let's look at this passage again in Ephesians 5. It says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Our lives should be modeled after Jesus. We should model how we treat others after Jesus. See, the truth is our children become what we are. And while we can say all the right things and try to teach them all the right things, it's what we do that they notice. And of course, we as parents, we are going to make mistakes. We are going to fail. We're going to do things that, you know, later on, we're just going to go, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. Out of anger, I yelled. I shouldn't have, right? Because we're human. We make mistakes. And when we do, it's important that we tell our children that we're trying to do better that we're trying to live after God, that we're trying to model after Christ. And we're asking God to help us, to give us strength, to help us grow in that area of weakness. So this morning, let me share with you some areas that we should set the standard and raise the bar for our children to model their life after. I said, make Bible reading a part of your routine. Before the new year, I, I shared a message about building a healthy habit, and I talked about the importance of building the daily habit of Bible reading. And if you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to do so. Go online or download the app and listen to it on the app so that you can hear the message. But it's important that we make Bible reading a part of our daily routine. A recent survey was conducted asking adults questions relating to their children's spiritual health. And the results showed that 29% of their children who are growing up in a believer's home who love God, 29% of their children read their Bible regularly. And that statistic is sad. As a parent, I don't want the Bible to be just another book on the shelf for my kids. I want them to fall in love with it. But in order for that to happen, they have to see that we love reading it, right? It needs to be in the front of our family and everyday lives so that they see the love we have. They see that we're growing, that we're spending time. And so how can we make this a priority every day? You know, one of the easiest ways is to make family devotions a central part of your routine. You know, one, one of the things our kids love is doing family devotions. 
And honestly, we don't do them every night. Our schedule sometimes just doesn't dictate it. And if you don't, haven't started it, I want to encourage you, take time to start. You know, maybe just start one, once a week. Just start building that habit where you get together as a family. Maybe Sunday nights where you can just come together and, and just set a time where you just grow in your faith together. But one of the things our kids love is doing family devotions after dinner. And we've been going through this book that our kids have changed the title to the Oogly book. It's called Theology. And if you put it together, Theology. And it talks about the theology of who God is and, and what sin is and who Jesus is and his character and how he created us and, and the church and, and everything else in there like the Bible and, and when Jesus comes back. And so it's a real simple read and we just read just one page and it has some uh, Bible passages that covers the topic. And so we'll read it and then I'll just ask simple questions. What did that mean? How are you doing in that, right? Just simple questions that just get the ball rolling, right, for a conversation where we can just talk about that topic for just a little bit. Deuteronomy 6 says, tell them to your children over and over again. Talk about them all the time. Whether you're at home or walking along the road or going to bed at night or getting up in the morning, Write down copies and tie them to your wrists and your foreheads to help you obey them. Write these laws on the door frames of your homes and on your town gates. See, what I want you to understand is it's got to be planned. Taking time to read the Bible isn't just going to happen. You need to set time aside. And if you're going to do it as a family, it's going to take planning. Our schedules are crazy. And so you need to look at your schedule and all the events that are taking place, you know, whether it's sports, whether it's band, whether it's church events, and plan when can you get together as a family, sit down and do this and read the Bible. See, as your kids get older, help them to learn how to carve out time on their own to read the Bible themselves every day. See, your goal is to teach them how to read and study the Bible all on their own. See, remember, you are the one who's setting the bar. You need to set the example for them to follow. And if they don't see you reading the Bible, if they don't know that you're doing devotions, they probably won't do it themselves. If we want our children to read the Bible, we need to give them a big reason why. And just telling them to do it isn't sufficient and enough. And so share with them how reading the Bible is God's primary way of communicating to us. Right? When, the, when our children see us reading the Bible and talking about what we've read and how we are applying it to our lives, they'll see that the Bible is relevant. They'll see that, that the Bible speaks to topics that we're facing. When we talk about how we've had to make a difficult decision and how we've read the Bible and, and came across a passage and it helped us understand God's leading, it'll help them to understand that when they have difficult decisions, that they can turn to God, that they can read the Bible and that God will speak to them, that God will lead them and help them. See, the Bible has answers for them. And then uh, 
we also need to make prayer a part of our life. Prayer is just simply talking with God. It's the way we communicate to God. If, if, if reading the Bible is the way, primary way God communicates to us, then prayer is the primary way we communicate to God. It's where we get to bring up everything that is weighing on our heart, where we get to share what's going on and our struggles and ask God, God for his help. When we pray, we're, we're practically demonstrating the importance of our faith. See, our children need to see a genuine faith from us displayed because actions speak louder than words. When we show our children how to pray, we're giving them the tools and opportunity to grow in a personal relationship with Christ. When we model prayer to our children, we're teaching them that God is always there for us. That when we call out to him, he is listening to us. And when we pray together as a family, we're not only strengthening and building our faith in God, but we're deepening our relationship with one another. See, praying together, it helps encourage family bonds. It helps us to become more sensitive to each other's feelings because we begin to share and open up what's going on in our lives and the things that we need God to do. It tells the other person, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that this was going on. I didn't know that this is why they're feeling sad. I didn't know this is why maybe they're acting out right now in anger. And so we begin to see and we begin to get a little more sensitive to each other. See, prayer is all about creating intimacy. Intimacy with God and intimacy with one another. And the old saying is true, the family that prays together stays together. Because when you share your heart, your hurts, your needs with others, you begin to develop a close bond with the other person where love is fostered, forgiveness happens, and grace is being offered to each other. Ephesians 6 says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I think this is speaking directly to parents. Pray at all times and on every occasion because that's what we should be doing. When our children go out, you're always praying. You're praying until they come back home. God, watch over them. Help them to make wise decisions, right? Keep them safe. And you're worried. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers. Be continually praying. And so how can we pray? How can we pray for our family? Well, make prayer a part of your family routine, your morning, your morning routine. You know, before our kids head off to school, I pray with them and I ask them, how can I be praying with you today? You know, is there anything going on today that I need to be aware of? You know, do you have a test? Is there something going on that I can pray specifically for? And then I pray that God would just continue to protect them. I pray that God would help them to make wise decisions. I pray that they would show Christ's love to their classmates and to their teachers. Right? I just pray that if they have a test, that God would help them to do their very best on. So we make prayer part of our morning routine and pray over situations you see while driving. There are so many opportunities that present themselves when you're driving. 
especially in the winter when you drive, you see cars on the side of the road. Maybe they're broken down. Maybe there's an accident as you drive by. Pray. Let your kids see and hear you pray. Or maybe you're driving and all of a sudden there's an emergency vehicle, an ambulance getting ready to blow by you. Pray and ask God to help them and touch. Take time to pray. Pray over your family meals. Use this time to give God thanks for his blessings and all that he's provided for you. Pray during family devotions. You know, after our family devotions, I, I ask, is there anything that we can be praying about? And we'll go around the table and we'll say things. And, and don't forget, you and your spouse should offer that up as well. Let your kids hear some of the things that you need God to do in your lives as well. It's important for them to see and hear that, that you're praying and there's things that you're praying about for your lives as well. And pray before you go to bed. Take this time to, to pray with them and ask your children how their day went and if anything came up in the day that you need to be aware of and that you can be praying about. You know, there's so many times where Jeanette will come in later on in the night and say, hey, you know, our child said this, Brayden said this, Ella said this, and it's just a great opportunity where you get to hear one more time of things that you can be praying for. And then pray for your spouse. It's important that you're not just praying for your spouse, but you're praying with your spouse. And if you've never made this a habit, I want to encourage you to start. You know, maybe later today, following lunch, you're just talking and say, you know, Pastor Corey said we should be praying together. And we pray for each other, but we never just stop and pray with each other. Why don't we give it a try? And it may feel awkward at first, but the more you do it, the more you'll find that it's comforting, it's encouraging, it's helpful. See, praying with your spouse teaches you to be concerned about their needs more than your own. It helps you to understand what your spouse is going through. It encourages vulnerability and intimacy as you open up your heart, as you share your hurts, your needs. You're being vulnerable and you're building trust with your spouse and you're strengthening those marriage bonds that you have. And, and it also focuses your marriage and it reminds you that God is to be the centerpiece. He is to be the foundation of your marriage. And it helps you to put God first in your life. You see, when we allow our children to be a part of our prayer time, by including them, we're showing them that prayer is important, that it's vital. And you'll be amazed to see what God can do through those moments of prayer. And then make church involvement a priority. The latest studies show that the average person attends church just one time a month. Throughout the whole message, you keep hearing me say, remember, you are modeling to your children what you believe is to be important in your life. And I understand that every Sunday, parents are challenged with the task of trying to wake up, get their kids to wake up and fed and clothed and, and out to church. 
I understand. By the time my children wake up, I'm usually here at church already. And so Jeanette has the privilege and honor of getting our kids ready every Sunday morning. She's pretty much a stay-at-home, or not stay-at-home, a single mom on Sundays. And she wakes them up, gets them ready, makes sure they're showered, fed, and here because of the importance. And so I understand the difficulties. I hear about it, how tough it is. I understand, right? We can come up with excuses to stay at home But even on the most stressful mornings, it's important that you join with us here on Sundays. And I understand Wednesdays bring their own challenges as well. And I imagine, parents, sometimes you just feel like an Uber driver where you get a call and you just, you're ready to pick them up and drop them off at the next location because schedules are so busy. And with the busyness of our schedules, It's easy to let church involvement slide. But listen to what the Bible says clearly in Hebrews. We should keep on encouraging each other to be thoughtful and to do helpful things. Some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship, but we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other, especially since you know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. See, there is both a biblical and a historical pattern of coming together for service that was set by the early church. Gathering together for our church services is more than just singing some songs and listening to a message. It's about community. It's about worshiping Christ together with believers, praying for others, serving others, being involved in the lives of others as we worship God. See, when you come and bring your family to church, you are building a lifelong community of faith for yourself and for your children. I love seeing how our students just continue to build that community of students where, you know, 12th graders are hanging out with 7th graders because they are investing into their lives. You know, you don't see that in, in the high school world where a 12th grader would hang out with a 7th grader. That wouldn't make sense. But here at church, it does because it's all about Christ. It's all about Christ. See, if we are to raise the bar and be successful in raising passionate followers of Christ, we need to make sure that our children know that church involvement is a priority. And so let me share with you some reasons students need to be in church. We all need community. We all come together and gather together, and when you bring your, your family to church, you're building that lifelong community. And in an age of bullying, gossip, hatefulness, you know, young people need others who will surround them, who will encourage them, who will, who will push them to continue to grow in their faith and challenge them in the right ways. See, our services are a place where godly young people connect with others. See, all of us from young to old long for community. We long to be connected with other people. And God has given us that gift where we get to gather together during our services and during small group. And one of the best places to to find community is small group. And if you aren't part of a small group, you need to be. 
In a small group, you cultivate deep friendships. They're there to help us to be transparent so that when we're facing tough times, when we're hurting, when we're going through stuff, they can come alongside. They can encourage. They can pray. They can help you. They can offer support. See, we all need community. See, being involved in a church helps us build spiritual disciplines. As a youth pastor, I have the opportunity to work alongside you as parents in teaching our students and how to build lasting spiritual habits. You know, last week I was able to take some of our students through a Discovering Growth course where I talked about the importance of reading the Bible, praying, and tithing. And when we begin to apply these spiritual habits and disciplines to our life, we begin to draw closer to God and pursue a more authentic relationship with Jesus. See, being involved in a church also helps answer their questions about God. Our Wednesdays in Elevation, you know, we cover a wide range of topics. We talk about so many different things. But when our students discover the character of God, his love for us, and how we can apply the Bible to our lives, it begins to click. It begins, they begin to understand. When I share about God's love for us and how God loves us unconditionally, it teaches our students a foundation that's based on, you know, all our friendships, whether here at church or at home or in school or in a workplace or on the sports field. When I share a message about knowing God's character and how he loves us even when we are being difficult. Because we can be difficult, right? Yet God still loves us no matter what. It shows how when our friends are being difficult, we can still love them. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, Everything in the scriptures is God's word. All of it is useful for teaching and helping people and for correcting them and showing them how to live. Students are growing up with tough questions about a variety of life's issues. They're experiencing things at school they shouldn't be experiencing. They're being taught things from their friends, from the world, that they shouldn't be taught. And they need to know where they can get answers. They need to know where they can get the truth. They need to be able to get the answers to help them. And then finally this morning, be mission-minded. If you've been here at Woodland for any period of time, you've probably heard us say that we celebrate God's love by persuading people to become passionate followers of Christ. This last month, our daughter had kept asking about inviting one of her friends to come to Timber Ridge on a Sunday morning. And Saturday night would come and she'd say, Mom, can you text? Invite her to come, invite her to come. Okay. Nope, couldn't come. Next week, Mom, invite her to come. Right? And kept inviting, inviting. And until her friend was able to come two weeks ago, our daughter was so excited that her friend was here. And she just smiled the whole time. She was at church showing her everything. She was just so excited, and it made me proud as a dad that my child wanted 
to invite and bring their friends to church. See, when I talk about being mission-minded, it's simply doing what God wants us to do, and that's build passionate followers of Christ. And part of our job as parents is to help teach our children and motivate them to reach out to others, to reach out to those in our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces. Acts 13, 47 says, the Lord has given us this command. I've placed you here as a light for the Gentiles. You are to take the saving power of God to people everywhere on earth. That's our responsibility. We are to make passionate followers of Christ. God placed us here in the Downriver area. He placed us in our workplaces, in our homes, in our schools for a reason, to be a light so that we can share the saving power of Jesus Christ. This past year in our small group, we've been talking about how we can share our faith with our friends. And I challenged them to make an impact list where they wrote down names of students that they were going to be praying for and, and that when God gave them an opportunity, when an opportunity presented itself, that they would share their faith, that they would share their story of what Jesus has done in their life. And we make sometimes this whole idea of sharing our faith difficult and weird when, in fact, it's pretty simple. But if you've never done it, I can understand why it may seem intimidating. And that's one of the important reasons why you need to go through our Woodland classes and go through the Discover How to Share Your Story class where you'll learn how to communicate what your life was like before you met Jesus your decision to follow after Jesus and your life after that decision and what it looks like now and how God has touched and changed your life. See, it's important. And so how can we help our students to be mission-minded? Talk to your children about how you share your faith. You know, kids are naturally outgoing. They need to know how to go about sharing their faith. Give them the tools. And if you're unsure, make them join our small group as we continue to go through it and ask questions about how they can share their faith. You know, in Climbers, this past month, we've been talking about evangelism and sharing our, our faith with our friends and how we go about doing it. And it's been pretty cool to hear, hear a story of two students that shared their faith praying and believing that God was going to do something and how that individual said yes. And now we're praying and believing that they'll be able to come to church, grow in their faith because students said, Jesus matters. He matters to me and he matters to them and they need to hear about Jesus. Let them see you share your faith. Tell someone about Jesus. Let, let them see you tell someone. You know, and telling someone about Jesus is just one way that we can share our faith. Talk to your kids about missions and how you give to missions and how you support missions. Because when you give to missions, you're helping missionaries to be able to share their faith. 
In Elevation every week, we talk about missionary opportunities through Speed the Light and how when we give to Speed the Light, we are equipping missionaries to go into countries and nations, to go to tribes and villages and communities that have never heard about Jesus before. And we tell our students, when you give, you're a part of that missionary's journey. You're helping them. Following the service, stop by that missionary's table and pick up one of the support cards and talk to your children about what it means to give to missions and supporting missionaries and how you help by doing that. And pray for them. Pray for those missionaries throughout the week when you're together as a family. But be creative in sharing your faith. You know, think locally. You know, sponsor a backpack program or a back-to-school event where you can buy backpacks and school supplies for families that are in need. Invite your children to come alongside you when you head over to your neighbor's house to invite them out to a church service. And then offer to take that family out to lunch afterwards to just talk, to get to know them better and ask them about the service. But just think of different and creative ways to share your faith. See, when your child sees that you are a light in your community and how important it is to share your faith and celebrate God's love by persuading people to be passionate followers of Christ, they'll be more likely to do it as well. They'll catch the vision. They'll understand. And when we put God first in our life and model to our children what a passionate follower of Christ looks like, we'll be successful. It doesn't mean that we won't have hard times. It doesn't mean that our children will always make the right decisions. But what it does mean is that we can trust that we showed our children what it looks like to love God with everything. And we can trust God for the rest. Let's pray. Father, parenting is the toughest job on the planet. But I thank you that you have given us godly parents, godly godparents and grandparents that love you that we can model after. But more importantly, I thank you that we can look to your word for guidance and how we should raise our children to love you. For you are our heavenly father. You are the one we should model our lives after. Your word says we should imitate you. And so God, this morning I pray, may you help us to make our homes a place of love, God, where our family knows that we love you with everything inside of us. And as we love you, God, that love overflows and spills onto the rest of our family and that our children will know that we love them. And so, God, I pray, help us to be passionate followers of Christ. God, demonstrating to our family what it means to live for you, loving you, and glorifying you in every aspect of our life. And if you're here this morning and you haven't crossed that line of faith yet and you haven't said yes to Jesus, 
but now is the right time. And if you want to this morning to give your life and allow God to be a part of your life and say yes to Jesus, will you just pray along with me this prayer? You don't have to pray out loud, but just simply say, Jesus, thank you so much for loving me and dying on that cross for me. And though I I may not understand everything, I do understand that I need you in my life. I need you to come and forgive me of all the things I've ever done, the things the Bible calls sin. God, make me a new person today and help me to live for you each day, I pray. God, help me to be and help me to model what it means to be a passionate follower of Christ, I pray in Jesus' name.